Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of April 22nd through the 24th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there today. Again, apologies for the late episode this week. It's been pretty busy at my uh, regular work. Um, we do have a lot to go over, though, with three new films opening this week, last weekend, as well as a lot of news out of CinemaCon taking place in Las Vegas this week. So let's go ahead and hop in, shall we? Uh, In first place for this week, we had a new opener, DreamWorks' latest animated entry, The Bad Guys, opening to $23.9 million in 4,009 theaters, per theater average of $5,974. That is way over box office post forecast of only $14.8 million opening, so definitely an overperformer for sure. Uh, Looking back at animated kids' films for the past couple of years, this is DreamWorks' biggest opening since 2019's How to Train Your Dragon Part 3, which opened to $55 million. Um, ignoring that, no, since it had kind of like the built-in sequel fandom, um, it's the best opening since 2017's The Boss Baby, which also opened to about $50 million. Now, this is opening a little bit below Encanto's $27.2 million opening uh, this past uh, fall. Um, that being said, it did outdo Sing 2's $22.3 million opening. So, you know, definitely in line there with one of the top performing animated films, at least opening-wise, of the pandemic era. Uh, overall, not bad, given its $70 million production budget, which is on the cheaper side side of most of these animated films. Given that most animated films have at least a 3x multiplier, um, and with some in the pandemic hitting as high as 6x or even 7x multipliers, this one could really go the distance since there aren't any wide-releasing animated films for kids uh, until at least light year in early June. So almost two months of runway and great reviews with an A on CinemaScore, 86 on Critics, and 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so far, it's made 63.5 million overseas, so it's currently at about uh, 87.4 million worldwide so far far. In second place, the kiddos again have it with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 from Paramount dropping 47% in its third weekend to $15.6 million in, uh, for thir- uh, in 3,809 theaters, per theater average of $4,110, running, av- running total of uh, $146.2 million domestically to $88 million worldwide. Uh, compared against the first Sonic film, it's pacing ahead at this point in time, and in fact actually has outgrossed the first film's entire run, which was uh, c- prematurely cut short at one. 46 million due to the pandemic hitting a month in that does make Sonic the Hedgehog 2 uh, basically a uh, basically the highest grossing video game film of all time at this point uh, for sure so um, good on them and definitely expecting to see Sonic 3 at some point in the future if that hasn't already been announced uh, in third place, Fantastic Beasts and Secrets of Dumbledore dropped a horrid 67% in week two to 14 million in 4,245 theaters, per theater average of 3,299, domestic total of 67.1 million domestic. Um, adding in the international total of 212.9 million world internationally, it's about 280 million or so, um, again, against uh, a $200 million production budget, and the hopes of this breaking even at 400 million worldwide are pretty much fading fast. At this rate, I, I'm even suspicious that it might not even make it to $100 million domestically. Uh, if so, just barely over. I would, you know, probably put my money, if I were a betting man, uh, on this five-run film, uh, this five-film run, uh, prematurely ending at the fourth film, um, if that. 
that 67% drop is the second worst of any Harry Potter film. Uh, the only one having a steeper drop was uh, the actually Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, that dropped 72% in its second weekend, but that was massively flooded with a $165 million opening, so um, not really comparable in this case. The international market co-opted not quite as bad, you know, 44%, but still not great uh, and, and pacing behind the prequel. So yeah, this one definitely looks like a flop all around for uh, Warner Brothers in that regard. In fourth place, we have another new opener, which is the Viking Revenge epic from Robert Eggers and Focus Features, uh, The Northmen. Um, this one opened to 12.2 million in 3,234 theaters for per theater average of $3,800. Um, first, the good news here, right? This beat the box office post forecast of only $9.6 million. Um, and this is also Robert Eggers' biggest opening to date. Um, his third film, uh, you know, this one outgrows his 2016 debut film, The Witch, which made open to only $8.8 dollars and then he his super niece black and white film from 2019 the lighthouse made only 10 million across its entire run domestically so this is already beating that um that being said those had budgets below five million dollars um this one reportedly had a 90 million dollar production budget or depending if you want to consider tax incentives apparently 70 million dollars in either case even at a very generous multiplier of 3x which doesn't quite look quite likely given it had an r rating and it's a b cinema score and a middling audience score of about 60 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, despite an 89% from critics. Um, this one will top out at maybe $40 million domestically, far from a break-even point for $90 million. So yeah, this one I think is more of a failure, I think, on the Focus Features part um, to not really properly maintain their budget for what was always going to be a bit of a more niche art house film from you know that particular director than a true epic blockbuster worth that $90 million. That said, at least it's not as bad as the last epic film that had a huge budget, which was, I believe, the last duel um, had an even higher budget at 200 million, but even smaller opening of 5 million. So, you know, the fact that I guess the the Viking, uh, you know, the Northman is having a bigger opening weekend. Um, you know, despite you know, I think people said that the last duel was you know really people who saw it really liked it. Um, you know, and and you know, I think this is a sign that maybe the adult film market is to some degree coming back. Uh, part of, I think, you know, some people were saying that the, the reason for the underperformance of The Northman is that it probably got cannibalized its main audience. Um, you know, the main audience for The Northman was something like 67% males in the 18 to 34 market. Um, and then the film in the fifth place also had a similar skew of audience attendance. Um, so probably cannibalizing each other to some degree. Um, in fifth place, we have The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Lionsgate, Nick Cage's meta-comedy about Nick Cage, playing a fictionalized version of Nick Cage, referencing all of the past Nick Cage roles. Um, this one opened to 7.1 million in 3,036 uh, theaters for a per theater average of $2,349, right on the money of box office pros forecast of $7.2 million. Um, at a more reasonable $30 million production budget, you know, with decent reviews, B plus on cinema score, 88% critics, 87% audience, uh, you, this one should probably make back its production budget and get close to a break-even point with the domestic numbers uh, before any international grosses or down the line revenue is to be considered, so pretty decent all around, I think. I suspect this will also become a bit of a cult classic as well, um, you know, probably doing well, well on stream whenever it gets there, but I am hoping to, you know, hopefully maybe get catch this in theaters soon. 
Now, outside of the top five, Everything Everywhere All at Once is still killing it, uh, dropping only 12% this past weekend and crossing the $26 million mark, putting it at A24's top 10 films of all time, very well on its way to probably jump into A24's top four of all time this coming week. Um, I saw something about IMAX, I think bringing Everything Everywhere All at Once back uh, to IMAX theaters this coming weekend. So that's exciting to look forward to for them. Uh, meanwhile, Fathers 2 uh, held on decently, actually, you know, better than I thought it would anyway, only a 38% drop in its second week. Weekend. On the other hand, some films that did not do so well uh, are Morbius and Ambulance, both tanked in the total number of theaters. Morbius lost over 1,100 theaters, down to only 2,300 in its fourth weekend, and then Ambulance dropped, you know, uh, 1,400 theaters, down to just under 2,000. Um, now, down in the indie circuit, you know, Neon released Petite Maman, a 2021 French film in four theaters, per theater average of $11,441, while Sony Pictures Classic released the British film The Duke in also four theaters, per theater average of 6,444, which were the two highest of the weekend. Uh, Uncharted also hit digital this week, uh, and so that's probably going to be an end to its domestic run. Um, its worldwide one ended at 392.9 million, pretty respectable. Um, I wouldn't, I would imagine that maybe Sony pushes it to maybe try to get to 400, but you know, in any case, well done for that team all around. Uh, overall, total box office was $93.3 million this past weekend. Again, not all that far off from 2019's total of $108 million this weekend, the same time that year, uh, when the opening film that, that weekend was the Cursed La Llorona opening. Um, next week, the comparison is not going to really be applicable since it's been three years since Endgame's release. Uh, so definitely not a fair comparison, regardless of what's coming up this week. Um, which, speaking of, there's not really much. The only wide release is Open Road Films' uh, you know, Memory, starring Liam Neeson. Um, box office pros has the opening to only $3.5 million. So uh, probably going to be bad guys in the number one slot here. Um, I think that given the lack of, of stuff coming out next week, I'll probably do a special episode looking at all the films coming out. You know, we just hit, uh, we just finished the first four year uh, months of the year. Um, I'm probably going to do a look at the next four months, you know, looking at the summer season coming from uh, uh, May through August, basically. Now, you know, uh, uh, now there's not too much on the international news to report numbers-wise, beyond what I already mentioned. Uh, maybe Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, red, officially hitting 15th best film in Japan of all time, ninth highest grossing anime worldwide. Um, and, you know, the same goes, there's not much new in China, right? Things are still, you know, bad guys are set to come out next, this coming week, um, which isn't great for them because of the COVID cases of, um, apparently hitting Beijing, uh, which is going to make a bad situation there even worse. That said, there still is a bunch of news to go over because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this week is CinemaCon over in Las Vegas, a trade show hosted by the National Association of Theater Owners. A lot of previews, a lot of trailers and and and, and footage revealed to con attenders um, and updates about upcoming movies and dates and so on. So, you know, that's partly why this episode is late this week. I was having trouble kind of parsing through and what was trying to figure out what was important to share. Um, so, you know, I'll do my best and we'll kind of, uh, you know, go in the order of presentations. Um, I what did write the script uh, as uh, Wednesday night, so the last uh, day of, of presentations on Thursday aren't going to be included. I'll include those in next week's episode. Now, going in studio order, again, we, first we have Sony kicking things off on Monday, and probably appropriate so since they had the biggest success of the film last year. Um, before the presentation, though, they had a couple of new dates announced for some films. Uh, their animated Spider-Verse sequel, or rather part one of it, uh, got pushed back from its October release date this year back to June 2nd this year, I guess probably to try to take advantage of the uh, the summer blockbuster season, um, and maybe also take some time, more time for production. Part two is still slated for March 2024. Um, as a result, 
result of the vacancy in the Oct- in the October slot, uh, October uh, Sony moved their animated film Lyalal Crocodile up from November up to that October seventh date this year to fill that gap. Um, they also dated the Spider-Man spin-off Madam Web, written by the same writers as Morbius, uh, starring Dakota Johnson for July 7th, 2023. Um, and then Denzel Washington filmed The Equalizer 3, coming out in September 1, 2023. Um, there's also uh, announced a Korean war film later this year called Devotion, probably in for awards play with a slow rollout across October. Uh, in addition to all that, you know, at, at CinemaCon, Sony confirmed that another Ghostbusters film is in the works after Ghostbusters Afterlife made $997 million worldwide. Obviously, details little sparked it was part of a sizzle wheel. Uh, also in that same sizzle wheel was confirmation that Venom 3 is in the works again. Um, there was also news, apparently, that they are working on a film with musical artist Bad Bunny, uh, who is going to be playing a minor Spider-Man villain named El Muerto. The story behind this is weird. Basically, Bad Bunny is working uh, is part of the upcoming Sony film Bullet Train, coming out, I believe, in a couple of months. You know, one of their their action comedy film um, starring Brad Pitt. And apparently, they liked him so much they want to keep him. They they want to have him be something in the Spider-Man. He did his own research, found this really minor character in the Spider-Man lore. Um, and they went decided to go with it. So, you know, that's a thing that's happening now, I guess. Um, they also put some other focus on, on their presentation on potential awards film coming out this year. Um, the Woman King, starring Viola Davis as in an African historical drama. Um, a George Foreman biopic coming out next year. And then a drama called Where the Crawdads Sing, which apparently has a song by Taylor Swift coming out this year. Um, now, that said, the biggest story box office-wise was that uh, they shared some numbers about No Way Home success. Um, they confirmed that this hit $1.9 billion worldwide with an 88-day theatrical window, the longest post-pandemic, um, again, all without China. Um, an industry source from Deadline also says that their profit uh, for this film, including all ancillaries, you know, streaming rights and digital media and so on, ended up being about $610 million worldwide for No Way Home. So not quite as much as Endgame's $900 million profit mark, but still, very respectable overall, beating out Infinity Wars $500 million um, and about 25 million, uh, 25% of that 610. So I think about $125 million or so is going to end up going to Disney. Uh, moving to Tuesday, right? Things started off with Neon, um, you know, the, the distributor of, of Parasite. Nothing too super interesting box office wise there. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and skip ahead to Warner, who took the afternoon slot, and there's more to talk about. Um, first, they confirmed that Greta Gerwig's Barbie film, which is an ever increasing cast, kind of ridiculous, uh, is set for July twenty first, twenty twenty three. Um, notably, as counter programming to their former director Chris Nolan's Oppenheimer film. Um, back to DC uh, for Warner Brothers. Aside from some hyping up of up coming films we already knew about, like Super Pets and Black Adam later this year with Aquaman coming out next spring. Um, the second Sazam film, Fury of the Gods, um, announced it would have a new movie date. Um, if you remember when they kind of did that shuffle around, you know, put some films back, um, they ended up moving Sazam uh, from next year into this, December 16th, which would put it up against Avatar 2, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, they ended up pushing uh, Fury of the Gods back a week to December 21st, uh, so it doesn't go directly head-to-head, probably a good move. Um, and of course, they also confirmed that, that a sequel to Robert Pattinson's The Batman is in place with director Matt Reeves set to return. Speaking of Batman, separate out from CinemaCon, you know, it seems to have uh, the, that the new film has seemed to have done particularly well on streaming in the first week on HBO Max. According to Samba TV numbers, The Batman had a higher first week total viewing uh, of 
any any Warner Brothers day and date film they've released aside from Mortal Kombat, which was particularly heavy streaming wise. Um, Batman beat out the first week of the Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Dune, Matrix, Resurrections, and even Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, part of this may be that the Batman is just a better film in general, um, but also you know it's a three-hour film that people saw in theaters and maybe they want to pay to see again in theaters. Maybe people didn't want to go in for first place to see theaters to see it in theaters and were just waiting till they could see it at home. Um, but, you know, and also maybe it's the fact that more people might simply have HBO Max overall. We'll have some numbers on that in a little bit. Um, but the other interpretation is that the fact that this film was in theaters for so long and in the public consciousness and there were all these headlines about how well it was doing at the box office and how great it was probably was some form of soft marketing for this film so that whenever they would come home, it would have greater engagement on those platforms. So, you know, given everything we've seen uh, in the past couple of weeks about Netflix and, you know, their problems with streaming and so on and losing viewers, um, you know, I think this could be a model moving forward for other streaming platforms where, you know, uh, you know, try to improve the value of your films by having it be in theaters for a little bit of a longer time uh, to build up that hype in the public consciousness before putting it on streaming. Um, there are rumors that you know because of this you know uh warner is looking at maybe moving their upcoming batgirl film which was supposed to be an hbo max uh, exclusive um with a 70 million dollar budget and put it to theatrical as a result i believe they they made that move with uh, blue beetle coming up for their dc film so yeah who knows um it seems that the new ceo david zaslav shows a commitment to theatrical releases as well as also not planning pledging not to overspend on his statements uh in his first post uh acquisition earnings call but yeah um definitely an exciting time for head to kind of see the synergy between the two. I think definitely this shows how theatrical can just add value to streaming. Anyway, back to CinemaCon, moving to Wednesday. As I again, as I wrote this down, uh, Disney took the morning. Now there was some news for Disney pre-CinemaCon. Um, Doctor Strange Two uh, apparently is banned in Saudi Arabia and Egypt um, due to an LGBTQ scene reference that Disney is refusing to cut from this film. Something about referencing a character's two moms. Um, obviously not the biggest market out there, but given the past few refusals of Disney to cut uh, LGBT content from Eternals and West Side Story, as well as their ongoing feud with uh, Florida State Governor um, Don DeSantis over the Don't Say Gay bill, I would expect this issue to kind of continue on. Um, anyway, as far as CinemaCon goes for Disney, they did announce that Doctor Strange has hit $42 million in pre-sales, about a week and a half out from its May 6th opening, which, again, points to a high $190 million, maybe $200 million opening weekend. Um, Perhaps more excitingly, though, even than that, Disney went on to really promote at CinemaCon their upcoming Avatar 2 film, again, coming out December 16th. It has a new title, Avatar The Way of Water. Um, apparently, there'll be a trailer that will run exclusively ahead of Doctor Strange 2, which definitely won't hurt Doctor Strange's box office. Um, also, apparently, it'll be in the most formats ever released, and they're bringing back 3D glasses, guys, and 3D IMAX. And the cherry on top, they also announced that they will be re-releasing the first Avatar in theaters September 23rd with remastered picture and sound before the December 16th release of Way of Water. Makes sense since, you know, it's been 13 years since the first film came out, so people probably want a refresher on everything that was happening there. Um, and you want to see it, obviously, in the biggest screen possible, which is the appeal of the film. And if you're like me, who never saw it in the first place, this would be a good chance to do that. Uh, more importantly, I guess, for this box office, though, it'll uh, definitely add to Avatar's the domestic box office count and as well as widen its lead for the highest grossing film worldwide. Um, 
it, it currently is number one for the worldwide ghost. Um, for domestic, you know, it currently sits, I think, at number uh, number four behind um, Spider-Man No Way Home at eight hundred and four million, and then Avengers Endgame's eight fifty eight million. Um, it's pretty far away from taking over the Force Awakens nine thirty six million, though. Um, and you know, for forecasting purposes, if we see a, a big engagement with Avatar, that's definitely going to be an indicator that you know Avatar two is going to be a big thing in December. Now, other than those two juggernauts, Disney also showcased some of Lightyear, you know, from Pixar, um, as well as David O. Russell's upcoming film new uh, called Amsterdam, starring Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington, among others, with a release date for November 4th, presumably a potential awards contender. Um, not surprisingly, though, they didn't so much more than that since they tend to save a lot of their more fanboy films uh, for D23. Uh, the final studio to present as of writing the script uh, is Universal on Wednesday evening. Um, some pre-show announcements, you know, included they they have an up the, the upcoming Nintendo and Illumination Mario film starring Chris Pratt got bumped off of the December twenty first release date. Um, it got pushed back to April seventh for a- for Easter weekend next year, probably to optimize for you know family attendance and so on. Um, something about also a delayed video game is eventually good, but a Rust game is bad forever. But for a different medium. Um, anyway, we also already talked about how Shazam 2 moved back to the December 21st date that uh, is being vacated by Mario, but Universal also pushed back their own uh, film. Uh, DreamWorks' sequel to Shrek, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, um, moves off of September 23rd back to December 21st as well for, again, some more counter-programming against Avatar. Um, something also changing dates somewhat uh, is the universal adaptation of the Broadway hit Wicked, directed by John M. Chu, starring Ariana Grande and Cynthia Ervo. Um, instead of a single film, uh, they are expanding it out into two films, taking Christmas Day on back-to-back years of 2024 and 2025. So a bit of a while off, but also rather ambitious for a musical that itself is only two hours and 45 minutes long. I don't know what they're planning on doing to justify two full-length feature films. Um, also changing, it looks like... Uh, uh, production has started on the 10th Fast and the Furious film, known uh, as Fast X, um, or Fast Sen, I guess. Um, it looks like Justin Lin, the director, is stepping away from production, still staying on as producer. Um, no word on who the new director will be, though it apparently is still set to release on May 2023. Now, as far as CinemaCon itself, again, I was writing this late into the night on uh, Wednesday when details were still coming out from uh, the panel. Um, so it looks like, you know, the main things from uh, Universal's panel were Nope, uh, the upcoming, um, you know, Jordan Peele film, some stuff from the Halloween franchise, a new Bloomhouse film called Megan, an Idris Elba film called Beast, uh, Joel Corey's Filipino film Easter Sunday, a George Clooney and Julia Roberts rom-com called Ticket to Paradise uh, coming in October, and then, of course, Minions, Fries of Grew, um, a film about the Harvey Weinstein scandal um, called C Said, and then of course Puss in Boots, as we mentioned. Um, in addition, also focused features specifically lineup as well as uh, Jurassic World Dominion, which apparently I think tickets are on sale as of today, Thursday. Um, so you, you know that's going to be another big one for the summer. Um, in any case, you know, as I'm writing and recording this, I think Paramount probably will have gone by the time I'm recording this, haven't had time to incorporate it into the script, and Lionsgate is later this this evening, so um, I'll cover news from those uh, next week. Um, one bit of preview news, though, it looks like the Dungeons & Dragons films from Paramount has a name now, Honor Amongst Thieves of the March 3rd, 2023 release date. 
Now, outside of CinemaCon, some other quick headlines from the movie and the scenes before wrapping up. Uh, with Amazon's acquisition of MGM pretty much closed at this point, it looks like some top leadership from MGM are leaving due to redundancies. Um, makes sense. Uh, Chairman Mike DeLuca and President Pam Abdi have left. Um, to be expected, they'll probably find uh, other places in the industry for sure. Um, over on the exhibitor side, AMC announced that they are going to be updating 3,500 of their auditoriums with adding laser projections, which is about 44% of the total U.S. Uh, screen count for sure. Um, definitely set up the experience of anyone going to see uh, a- to see AMC films. Um, Alexander Inaritu's next film, Bardo Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, was picked up by Netflix for release after uh, uh, for later this year. Um, after his, you know, probably going to be I think one of their main pushes for an Oscar this year after the success of his past films which have won Oscars uh, Birdman and The Revenant now that being said overall again the fallout from the Netflix situation and kind of like you know the the, the tipping point for streaming you know with uh, them introducing an ad supported tier and you know kind of all of this talk about uh, everything um, it looks like Netflix problems on the stock market are still rolling out and there's pulling back on their spending uh, in addition to adding on these new revenue streams. It looks in particular like their animation departments are going to be purged, which is very unfortunate. I expect also their upcoming award season to be a little bit more selective and focused. They're also pla- dropping plan. They're dropping uh, plans to move forward with a Bright sequel, uh, which apparently is unrelated to the Oscars incident and more so about the financial stuff. Um, meanwhile, as we noted earlier, HBO Max uh, did pretty well at last quarter. They hit 76.8 million global subs, 48.6 of that in the U.S., while Discovery Plus, before the acquisition, hit 24 million global streamers, which is pretty respectable. All that said, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Um, again, apologies for this being late. Um, I'll try to do better next week. Uh, shouldn't have too much box office news to look at. We'll just be doing a preview of the upcoming summer season of films. Um, you can send me ideas for those I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on... Uh, 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 Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, subscribe, leave a review, share with a movie-loving friend. Any of that helps. If you're extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, links to all of that will be in the show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music from Kevin MacLeod. His stuff as incompetent.filmmusic.io. Editing production by Ninsboy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. Remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.